Hello, I'm Ryan Arav. Today you're going to learn a little bit about a good friend of mine named Josh. Amar, you played chess with him online. So you know him virtually and you've both met him in person. We talk about a range of things and I hope you find this as interesting as I did. Enjoy. So Josh. Yes. Hello, Jigmesh. I've, I've known you for since 2008. Yep. Which is over 12 years. Almost 12 years. No, you're right. Over 12 years. Oh, almost 13 years. years. Wow. 13 years. That's, yeah. I was thinking, in fact, that's over a quarter of my life. Jesus. Eh, you know, sometimes about a quarter of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and I want to start with your name. Because, you know, I, I know, just knew, known you as Josh. Mm-hmm. And then your chess... Your 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 chess username is Daystar. Something Daystar in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, Daystar, son of dawn. Daystar, son of dawn. And Amar always looks says, "Hey, I'm playing Daystar, son of dawn." <laughs> so t- tell me the story behind okay. Daystar. And and I think I, I believe that Daystar is the Josh D Hardison, the Joshua D Hardison. Yes, yes. Right. So my mother's name is Dawn, and when she was pregnant with me. She found in the Bible a passage about Daystar, son of dawn, and she's like, "That's adorable. We should we should name him that." And God knows she could have made that my first name, right? And I was I was lucky it ended up as Joshua as the first name. Uh, in fact, when I was born, Joshua was a really unusual name. Like you never met people named Joshua. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when I was like in high school, everyone started doing it. So. so it's just a weird societal trend. But uh, so middle name's Daystar, and I never really thought anything of it. And then when I was a teenager, I asked her about it. And she said, oh, it's from the Bible. And so I looked it up in the Bible, and it's a passage about, you know, Daystar, son of dawn, Lucifer, the destroyer of nations. It's a whole reference to Satan, right? And she had never like finished the sentence. She read part of it and is like, "Oh yeah, that's that's my that's it. Totally, I'm I'm sold." And just <laughs> stopped reading. So, which I think gives us an indication where what side of the family my ADHD comes from. So that's <laughs> that's so, the name I have. Is Joshua Satan? Yes, exactly. It's and then of course I'm like, Mom. It, Really? It's like, oh, sorry, I didn't finish it. I'm like, eh, yeah, now I think it's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome. If it's a, you know, if it's a baby and you're calling them Satan, that's a little weird, you know. But right. once you're an adolescent, you think it's awesome. Very, <laughs> very motley crew, you know. Yeah, there was a hockey player. His name was Miroslav Satan, and ah, nice. named S A T A N, and and he walks on. Skating around and the cameras pick up his jersey and just <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Coolest jersey ever, right? Totally. So and, and Joshua, like how in in American culture or mm-hmm. you know, how how are names picked? Because yeah, I'll tell you the story of how our names are supposed to be picked. Sure, they they are picked completely at random, right? It's they have. It's common for people to have 
a, a family name that they usually give to like the firstborn son or something like Jot, who we work with, whose name is actually Joshua. Right. Yes. Um, but that's a family name, right? His grandfather was Joshua. So they gave him the same name. His grandfather also went by Jot. Right. Ooh. It's like a family nickname or something. Right. Um, for me, I have no idea where they got Joshua. There's no Joshua's in my family. My parents just liked odd names. I mean, mm. so my sister also has a name from the Bible, uh, Yael, uh, which is a much weirder name. You've never encountered this name, right? No. Uh, and that is from in the Old Testament. Yael was a shepherd woman. And the Israelites are at war with like the Assyrians or somebody. And she runs across the Assyrian general in the wilderness and invites him into her tent for the night and bangs him. And while he's asleep, pounds a stake through his head and kills him. So that's what they named her for. Uh, what prompted that? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. So there's a trend here. See? Is what I'm saying. Exactly, it's a trend. It's a yeah, trend. and and it's just you and your sister, right? No other sister. Yes. Yeah. And and she's older than you are. She's younger. Oh, she. Oh, yeah. What about she's younger? Okay. Yeah. How, how do you pick names? Yeah. Sorry. How do you, yeah? In our culture, at least, and you know, India has a lot of cultures. Sure. Right within India as well, and mm-hmm. so Gujaratis, what do we do? Chinese born to they go to the astrologer. Mm-hmm. He's born at this time, this place, this daytime, right? Mm-hmm. And what he'll do is look up somehow, do some calculations, and say, he'll give you a couple of uh, they call Rashis. Okay? Uh, like Jaka and Ma. Sounds. Okay. Sure. And they say, okay, the name should start with. Any of these sounds. Okay. So okay. They limit you to those mm-hmm. uh, sounds. So I guess mine. So mine is J and probably some other choice. I don't, I don't even know what mine are. Right now. Sure. And uh, the names were Jignesh. Which, mm-hmm. oh my God, Jignesh Patel. Millions is, of them, yeah. It's literally the equivalent of John Smith. I had no idea it was a name until I met you. Well, that's crazy. Seriously. How many Gujaratis did you know before you met me? I have no idea. <laughs> I, can, I can give you a list of Indian guys that I knew, and you can tell me if they're Gujaratis, but I'm pretty sure none of them were. How many Indians did you know before you met me? That I knew well enough that like they might remember me if we met again? Like three, probably? Not that many, yeah. Because you, so, going back to you, you, you were born in Chicago? I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, and, but you didn't grow up there. So, no. walk, walk me through, you were born in Chicago, and then how so you... So, we lived in Chicago, uh, and my sister was born when I was two, two and a half. Uh, and then when we were four, we moved to... Dallas, Texas, uh, and where my parents were going to school for a while uh, because they were studying to become missionaries and go bring Jesus to brown people throughout the world. Uh, And then 
for when I was going into kindergarten, we moved to Mexico where they were completing their training as missionaries. We lived in jungles and all kinds of weird shit. Um, and so we lived there for when I was five and six. And then when, we, when I was seven, we moved back to the U.S. and lived in Houston, okay. Houston, Texas, and lived there uh, until I was 10. Now, in Houston, we were part of a cult that I didn't realize was a cult until like a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a whole fascinating <laughs> Wikipedia page on them. It's very interesting. Uh, we got off easy with them. There's a lot of weirdness in that that did not affect me at all. Uh, a lot of child abuse that I didn't experience. So that was good. Um, from there, moved to Albuquerque. Lived in Albuquerque until I was 13. And then we moved out into the middle of nowhere, rural New Mexico, uh, and lived there until I finished high school. And then moved to Albuquerque. And then about five years later, I moved to Phoenix and been here ever since. Okay, so that is, that is a lot. <laughs> that says a lot, I know. <laughs> Your parents seem pretty interested. Missionaries, they they might have you know it was whoever didn't have it you know they they specifically yeah. wanted to do it for native american indian types right oh. that was who they really wanted to work with okay and, and part of the training was in mexico in the jungles yes of mexico. yes because you have to so there's two two branches to the training you have to go through they already had really strong religious training because they went to a religious college. Um, and so you have to learn linguistics because you have to learn whatever languages you're dropped around. Right. Okay. So they stayed, that's what they're studying in Dallas. They learn linguistics and you have to learn to just survive in weird circumstances. So like my father had to go be like dropped in the jungle and just live for a week on his own somewhere. Um, and I, th I think he completed that test successfully. And then there was another test where he wound up getting typhoid fever and we had to fly him out and he almost died. <laughs> it was all disasters left and right. <laughs> all this seemed normal to me because I was six, but you know. That's funny. I mean, what were some of your early journeys in Mexico? Or any memories in Mexico? Like, did you go to school in Mexico? Uh, I did, but all the missionaries studying there, their kids all went to school together. Like, we want to bring stuff to the brown people. We don't want to get anything from them, right? It's, <laughs> it's very racist. It's, it's, it's awful. So okay. I have a lot of memories of when we first went to Mexico, we were in Mexico City. And when I see pictures of Mexico City, I recognize a lot of it, which is, I don't remember particularly being there. There's like a couple, you know, you think about like whatever kindergarten you were in, you might have some vague memory of it, but yeah. like you don't remember all the people or anything. Like I remember the yeah. room we had kindergarten in, you know, and I remember an argument I had with some other kids, um, but I don't remember a lot, you know, okay. but I'll see pictures of Mexico City and I recognize a lot of it. It's really weird. So, 
you have brought up pretty religious. Yes, quite. And and now is that no, I, not at all? Yes, I I'm I'm not hostile to it though. I so I was kind of hostile to it for a long time, which is common. You know, if you you're raised in a super religious environment and you move away from it, it's it's not like you can just say, well, I'm going to go to half as religious as I was. You know, if the level of religion you were raised with is strong enough, then it's all or nothing, right? So it's a major disruption to your worldview to move away from that. And you sort of have a backlash effect where you're like super anti-religion and everything. And now I'm kind of like, hey, everyone's figuring out how they're going to survive life. You know, it's a, it's a hard thing. I, I, I can respect anybody's choice. And I don't feel like I really understand where the universe came from. And I feel like I have the answers I need. I'm not really looking for any extra answers from anybody, but it's okay. Yeah. I, my growing up, like, I, parents are religious in the sense that they believed in God, they prayed mm-hmm. to God. Dad believed in one person. Uh, um, like, like one God or... So he, or is he, it like he that's his favorite god, or I, I don't understand how it so, really works. With you. Yeah, this was this was yeah. So this was, so we have many gods, right? Because why have one? Why have one? Agreed. And I answered that question answered question differently. You know, <laughs> why even have one? I don't know. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and the this Vishnu Shiva. Brimba Vishnu Shiva, right? creator, organizer, destroyer. Shiva is the destroyer. Yep. And Vishnu is the one that when comes down onto earth, I'm simplifying, by the way. Sure. He, he comes down to earth when there's enough evil on earth and he's like, okay, guys, we need to reset. Clean house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he comes down when the house needs to be cleaned. But that's and not the he, destroyer. No. I mean, it seems like the house cleaning would involve a lot of destruction. Right. Are we just uh, ignoring that uh, discretion for now? That's okay? Uh, that's beyond my understanding okay. right now. So we'll right. just carry on. We can talk about the third guy later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he comes down and he reincarnates in incarnations and not reincarnates, but he comes down in some forms. And the story has, story has it that he'll come down in 10 forms and the 10th one will be the last of it, everything and we're done. So there will be nine. Right, and then Buster but, Rhymes uh, is the final one. It's, <laughs> I, I assume. I... And then, uh, so the last one is Krishna. You've heard of Krishna, sure. You've heard so of the Krishna, one before that. Krishna is just one of those incarnations. Sorry, Krishna is just one of those incarnations. Yes, he's not his own god. He's an incarnation of the god. So yeah, Krishna. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, because he came as a human form. Mm-hmm. Before that was Rama, he came as a human form. So, uh, my mom believes in, now, Krishna, there's different stages of his life. As a baby, when he's an adult. So, she uh, basically believes in the form of Krishna when Krishna's a baby. Okay. Right. So, like, when he's a child... Wait, wait, but but what what do you believe differently if you believe in the baby Krishna versus the adult Krishna? I 
I mean, I, I, there can't be a lot of ideological change there, right? So I, I, that's the thing. I, I think it's, it's you know, it's, that because, luckily, I, I don't have that much knowledge. So I can't really tell sure. you. <laughs> but I, I, I can always, I, it's, it's the rituals they do are different. Okay, sure. Like, she will, she will actually wake up, even now at this age, in the morning, and wake Krishna up. Wake him up, serve him food, pray to him, mm-hmm. play with him. Like, like I'm, I don't want to say play with him, but sure. they can, they can sure. be a, dress him, nicely feed him, and then there's no actual baby though, right? I mean, not actual baby. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a photo okay. in a frame. <laughs> okay, okay. And by the way, that that photo in a frame has been in our family for oh, I don't know now. Should, I should think about that. It's been. It it belonged to my my dad's mom, and it was passed to my mom. Mm-hmm. And and now my mom is like, where's he gonna go next? Oh jeez. <laughs> she got three kids, right? I mean, do you guys have to fight she, about yeah. it or what? Or she need uh, to pick? I, I think she'll just pick, and we'll be all okay, okay. with it. Yeah, I'll be okay with it. Sure. So that, that's. That's that. And then my dad believes in... Now, all these are gods, right? Rama, Krishna. Now, there was a... What's the word? Uh, someone who's strongly believed in one of them, Rama. This guy, who's, who's just a regular human like you and me, born in the 1800s even. So there's actually a photo of him. Mm-hmm. And he was born in Gujarat in a place called Birpur. He lived there. And he was a, almost like a saintly figure. Mm-hmm. And he was really into Ram. He did all the good stuff, he led the life, led his life really well, <laughs> all the right uh, values. And he became a big <laughs> figure. Mm-hmm. And then he, a lot of people started following him. Mm-hmm. And all, all, they, all they did was just basically just chant his name. That's all they did. Okay. And that's my dad. Okay. And no, then, no, wait. So, hang on. Something I, I might have gotten confused on here. I thought that Krishna was the most recent incarnation. Yes. And then Rama was the one before. Yes. But Rama was only from the 1800s. No, not Rama. Right. His, his, this, this, this guy who believed in Rama was from the 1800s. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. sorry. Rama, sorry. I mean, dude, dude, Krishna was BC, so Rama was like okay. way... Okay, cool. Got it. We don't even have records of... <laughs> Okay, got it. Carry on. Yeah, sorry. So, my mom believed in Thakurji or Krishna, baby version of Krishna. My dad believed in Jaran. And uh, so, we'd see them do whatever they do in the mornings, pray and light a, a diva a candle. Not not a candle with wax, but, you know, a ghee. Sure. Um, every day and do some prayers and they would say, okay, go pray. I'd be like, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just say this thing. <laughs> just say this thing over and over again. So it's a chant, basically. And you just you mm-hmm. say the name of the Lord and you just chant. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. And that was it. That was, that, that was the only um, exposure to religion for me. Like that's, that's the, the extent of your religious instruction? Yes. 
Like they're not I, I, reading I, I, anything to you or talking about it? Wow. Huh. I mean, and then there'll be someday they'll be like, oh, to this day is birthday of Krishna and you're going to eat these kinds of things. And you're like, okay. That was it. And then like Thursday was a big deal, is a big deal for, for mm-hmm. my dad. So Thursdays was no alcohol, no meat, no nothing. For the longest time, I I just followed that. Sure. So when you when you go off to college, obviously, then you just do whatever food plan is available to you, whatever. But once you're on your own as an adult, did you eat meat on Thursday? Did you what was different? I I throughout college, even on Thursdays, I didn't eat meat. Wow. And even as an adult, until until it was like 2003, I was like, one day I was like, why am I still following this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was pretty slow at questioning this, but, but, but it was okay because it wasn't that strong. Mm-hmm. Sure. It, was like, it wasn't that strong of, you must do this, you must not do this. They were like, yeah. We don't do this. Okay, fine. <laughs> Not a big deal. And now I'm like, now I do it. Now I eat meat. I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, so that was the contrast <laughs> of us growing up. You guys really grew up in a very religious. Yeah. So tell me more about the cult. I'm really curious about that. That you found oh, out. Okay. So the the first clue to it was there was a so in this it was just a church that we went to. Uh, where they had the people would live in community, right? So my parents both had jobs; they were able to rent a pretty big house, and there were like mm-hmm. three or four people from the church who just lived with us, right? In, the, in your house, had their own room. Yes, like, okay. They rented a big, like five-bedroom house. There was room for everybody. Yeah. Okay, um, and there was a bunch of ideas around community and. Like a lot of the, our food would be bought through a co-op program and stuff like that. Right. That was all I really knew about it. Um, so there was a guy named Jack who was like an elder in the church. And he and my dad have been really good friends since. And I like, I vaguely remember him, you know, because I'd met him once or twice. I don't know. It's, I was between seven and 10. Not like I was paying any attention. Right. Right. So uh, they, that's in Houston. My dad now lives up in Colorado, and a few years ago, Jack died, and so my dad went down for his funeral, and and on his way back, came up through Phoenix and spent a, a couple of days with us, and we were talking about Jack, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really remember Jack, and he says, you know, Jack really made a difference for our lives, and, and for your life in particular. Like, really? What? He's like, hmm. Yeah. He, well, he told the rest of the church elders uh, no, leave that family together because it was normal for these families in community to send their children to live with a different family. Like, what? what? Like, and I'd never heard of this, right? And like, they, what, what now? It's like, it's like, yeah. And he said, no, he said we weren't going to do that. And I, I just, I've always really appreciated him for that. I'm like, well, it seems like, as my dad, it's your job to say no to that, right? I, I don't think that's really what Jack's there for. But awesome. Thank you, Jack. Uh, so 
he left and I was talking to my sister a while after and I told her that story and she's like, that's, that's fucked up. That's what, what is that? That, And we talked to our cousin who also lived with us at the time because her mother was going through some issue. And she's like, she was, the cousin's a little older than us. And she's like, oh yeah, those people were crazy. Those people, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on in that, on in that church that you probably don't remember, but it was, it was very weird. So I started researching it, looking it up, and the guy that founded it, um, lived, he was in Houston. Uh, he set up the whole thing and was living in community and stuff, and then left and had another church in London, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, and from what we understand about him, a lot of his whole community thing was that he was banging young boys. Right. So he's uh, this whole thing right, that, you know, and how much of that happened with the Houston church or not? Eh, no one's 100 percent sure. Right. But after he died, it sort of collapsed and, and fell apart. And like, so I don't know. It, it, obviously, it's not like a like a Heaven's Gate or Jim Jones type thing where everybody dies uh-huh. at the end. But it was definitely weird. Right. And oh but when you're a kid, God. you have no idea. You just don't know. Right. You don't all your family doesn't eat meat on Thursday. Your parents send you to live with another family that bangs you. It's it's all just whatever, right? It's just the trauma that you deal with. I mean, eating on Thursday seems like minimal trauma, but it's Oh my god. I just figured all this out like in the last couple of years. Shit. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to cut all of this out, but okay. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) I don't know how, but Why? Why would you cut it out? Well, well I want to listen to this slander. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, they should understand how good they've got it. They can eat meat on Thursday. <laughs> well, What's more, they don't have to go live with another family. <laughs> yeah. Well. Wow. Oh my God. That is crazy. It's, it's it's a very weird thing to find stuff out about something in your childhood that you remember, but that you didn't understand. It's very yeah. disorienting. You know, I, it's, I was shocked at how much it shook me up to read about all that. Cause I remember the church. I remember some stuff about it, but oh like there was so much context that, I mean, kids, they don't, they don't pay attention. Yeah, of course. I mean, they just innocent. <laughs> You don't know. Yes. So. Oh my god, man. Oh my god. How? So your parents, like, like, how did they meet? Because I mean, you said they were pretty religious, and mm-hmm. like that was growing up. Are you, you go ahead and tell me that. So all that story. My my mother grew up in Minnesota. Uh, my father grew up in California. Uh, they were both members of the same church denomination right so this was a it was called the united church of christ so it's what's called a charismatic church um and you probably have no exposure to this so it's like no i, I can I describe no what a, you're talking about <laughs> yeah okay so oh, these people <laughs> um these are it, do you know what snake handlers are mm, you ever heard I, of that like so in there's what a context uh, <laughs> in a religious context like a Christian American oh, no, no. religion. Okay. 
So there's a passage in the Bible about you know God's followers will be protected from danger. They'll pick up snakes and not be not be hurt. You know, okay. they won't be harmed by anything. Um, which you know a bunch of them got their heads chopped off, but that was just part of the plan apparently. Um, so there are churches, mostly in the South, that take that to the extreme where they will have services where they bring out snakes and people will pick up the snakes and not die. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen, right? Now, my parents were not in that kind of church. They were in the church one step more rational than that. Okay. <laughs> so they do a lot of uh, like speaking in tongues and uh which do uh, you have you heard of speaking in tongues no okay so there's a thing in the bible where uh somebody is preaching to the people and there's a bunch of people from another town there and they speak a different language and he just starts speaking their language he doesn't know it he doesn't mm-hmm. understand it, but he starts speaking it, and they under they hear the word of God, and their eyes are opened, and everything's good. Um, and this is one of the promises God gives to his Jesus gives to his followers that they will speak in tongues for people who can't understand them, and get the word out. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so what what that has evolved into at now two thousand years later is you'll have church and People just start babbling nonsense, like making sounds, feeling moved by the Holy Spirit. And it's it's crazy. And people are screaming, thank you, Jesus, and yelling, whatever. It's they'll put their hands on you and heal you. They'll do all kinds okay. of whether anyone's getting healed or not. It's it's that kind of crazy church. Right? Okay, okay. Very loud, intense. It uh, when Terry and I uh, is before we got married, we went up for my sister's wedding in uh, in Colorado, and we went to into the church. and She was not raised in church at all, right? She doesn't know any of this. Uh, Terry, so <laughs> Terry, yeah. So we go into the church, and uh, they, you know, the preacher is saying some kind of prayer, and people start doing all this, you know, raising the video, and it's like. They like raise their hands up to God, and, and there's a, what what's with the hands? What what are they doing? Like just ignore them. It's fine. <laughs> They're harmless. It's no big deal. But that's it's just that kind of church. Okay. So your question, which we have not touched on, they were both from this bizarre charismatic church, and my grandfather was president of a college in a small college, religious college in San Francisco. Okay, your dad's dad. My mom's dad. Oh, I thought your mom grew up in Minnesota. Yes, but then they moved to... Okay. At some point, uh, because he was a preacher, so they moved around a lot, right? Um, But mostly, I think she lived in Minnesota. It gets vague. But so they both went to that college where my mom's dad was the president of the college met there. He was like surfer hippie guy. Cause it's like the mid sixties in California. Uh-huh. Right. But still very religious. And they dated through college, got married at the end of college and uh, moved to the Chicago. 
Now, the fascinating thing to me is that they moved to Chicago because my mom got into a nursing school in Chicago. So So that was, she was going to become a nurse, right? She'd finished her bachelor's degree. She was going to go to nursing school. Uh, So they're driving across the country in the summer of 68, which is the year there's like all the riots in Chicago at the Democratic National Convention. And they're like beating people with clubs and stuff. It was all this terrible stuff going on as they're moving there, pregnant with me as madness. Oh, I was, and okay. I was born in the fall. Yeah. My parents, on the other hand, didn't even had no say. I don't think. <laughs> Might be a better way. Uh, my mom, I, I keep asking, you know, occasionally. Like, so the story goes, uh, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but I think this is this is mostly correct. Uh, my my dad grew up. Um, his dad passed away, my grandfather passed away when my dad was like two or something. So my mm-hmm. grandmother pretty much brought the four boys up, the four boys. Wow. My dad was number three. Dirt poor in a small village in India. Mm-hmm. Right? Small piece of land and that's it. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how she did it because, yeah. I mean, we were poor, poor. <laughs> my dad, yeah. he, had, he had stories of how he... Just grew up barefoot and <laughs> nothing. His favorite toy is a stick or something. Yeah. <laughs> something. Literally nothing. And yeah, my the eldest brother, my dad's eldest brother, got some education. Somehow he got married to somebody, and then he moved to Africa. And then he would send money back. And then my dad got a little. Went to college, local college there. Studied law. Uh, but pretty much just played most of the time, played sports most of the time. <laughs> sure. And then at some point, yeah, they just decided, okay, you're going to go see this girl. And you don't even go see the girl, by the way. So he went and saw my, my mom's dad. My, my mom's dad decided for my mom, yes, he's the guy. <laughs> He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> my mom had no say. Like, no say. At least she was older. My, I believe my grandmother was married at like 15. Yeah, sure. And they definitely didn't have a say at that time. Yeah. Uh, So, it feels like it's improving over the years. Yeah. In some ways. Uh, But such a big contrast of how American culture versus... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, how different was your marriage and theirs? To mine and Monica's, how we met versus... Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, ours was... So, as I was... I, I, I finished college and... Oh, Indian parents, by the way, they freak out if, the girl, if, the, if they have a daughter. At least they used to. I don't know now. But mm-hmm. if you're 21, they're like freaking out. This was in the 70s, 80s. Sure, sure. They're freaking out. Okay, she got to get married. She got to get married. She got to get married. She's going to spoil. (laughs) (laughs) They're checking the date. (laughs) Oh, my God. Is it sell-by or use-by? Yeah. So, 
and, and for the guys, they probably wait about 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's a big stigma that if you hit 28, 29, you're too old. Sure. Yeah. So I was in America. Uh, I came here when I was 22, and I was living alone. And after a little while, my mom would say, okay. And they were pretty open about it because my brother had married somebody of his own choice. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, if you have somebody that you know, we'd be cool with it. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't have anybody. <laughs> so they're like, okay. And then, and as normally happens, everybody gets involved. Families that you don't even know get started going, hey, you know, because like I said, on, on, on Monica's dad's side, she's getting to that age, she's finishing college. So like, okay, now it's time to start finding a suitable boy. And from her end, they started, and they, they said, okay, this guy would be a decent guy to at least introduce. So what happened, at least for us, was by that time, they would make the introduction, but the decision would be left to us. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, as opposed to my mom's case, <laughs> my grandfather decided for We sold you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it was slightly different, but still, sure. so it, it, was, it was arranged, I call it arranged to meet. Mm-hmm. Whereas my dad, my, for my mom, it was arranged. Okay, so, so were you the first uh, guy that she was arranged to meet? Yeah, she rejected actually, other guys. No, okay, we, yeah? we were both we were both the first for each other. Okay, so no, you didn't. So, so maybe she had no choice at all. No, she could, really no. no. She, she could have said yeah, no. She could have said no. No, she couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, but no, no, she, she, she. Okay. Her parents didn't force her. That's for sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, she could have said no, and then they would have just found, okay, showed her another guy, and then another guy, and then another guy. Sure. Yeah. Until she's twenty-eight, and then obviously. That's <laughs> like probably feed her, feed her to the pigs or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I gotta cut this shit out if you don't even keep talking. You wanted you wanted to hear from me. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know what? Maybe your kids, my kids, will just figure out who you really are. <laughs> I, I would let my kids listen to it. But w- would you let them listen to it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I might have to explain some stuff afterwards. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Same here. <laughs> I'm gonna send them. Okay, go go get the explanation from them. <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't think you want to follow this conversation up with, okay, you're going to go stay with Josh for a while. No, no, no. no, no I don't want to go. I don't know. <laughs> you're making it harder. <laughs> it's what I'm here for, man. Oh, God. It's not, it's not exactly my ambition. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> it never is. Oh, so, well, so, so, so what do you, from that progression, what do you expect for your, your boys? Oh, I have no expectations. Well, I mean, it. Yeah. So, so what age were you when they started finding someone for you? You like? I was. I was twenty-five. Twenty-four. Twenty-five. Okay. Okay. So they get to be twenty-four, twenty-five. What am you I? Know, gonna do? You can have some impulse, right? Uh, I, I I don't know. I I, I want to say that I'd be like, hey, are you gonna figure shit out or not? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
don't know, how, how, well, like, well, so, how old were you when you got married? I was 38. Oh my God, in Indian 30, terms... I was 37, I was 37, sorry, yeah. Oh man, in Indian terms, you're like, ooh. Oh, God, like, yeah. Like, there's something wrong with that guy. And and absolutely there was. There was a lot. <laughs> oh, by Indian standards, absolutely there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, by, by any standard. Uh, well, but so the thing that's interesting to me is that, like, I'd always heard of, you know, arranged marriages, which sounds kind of like slavery, right, to American ears. At some point, they, you know, chain up the woman and throw That's just the, like the stereotype that, that I sure. heard growing up. I know it's not, not what it is. And you were the first person I ever talked to about it, right, to describe right. what it was. And from hearing your description, I'm like, that's not actually worse than what we do. Because, yeah, we get to pick, but nobody helps you figure out how you should pick. Like, you, right. we're all morons stumbling around trying to figure out what to do. You might as well take advantage of what your parents have learned about. Exactly. And, and, and by the way, a lot of, there's a lot of background checks that happen. Hmm. Sure. Like, for example, my Monica, there's, a, there's actually deep family connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my sister got married into a family. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a connection. So uh, my sister's father-in-law's sister's daughter is married to Monica's mom's brother. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, sure. But there's a connection there. Yes. And then on top of that, Monica's mom, Monica's mom's dad's youngest brother and my dad are good friends in Uganda. Oh, okay. So Monica's mom has known my dad when Monica's mom was a teenager. Wow. Huh. Okay. And what, which, what is weird is she used to call him uncle. <laughs> right. Oh, and she still does. Yeah, but the uncle's a thing, right? It's like yeah. older family friends are all uncles, right? Yeah, for us, yeah, it's 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 all yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've, on kids to work day, I've had a couple of kids call me uncle. Which, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Madhu's daughter. I don't know. Yeah, all. Yeah. If I if you hung out, if you come over to the house, this is Uncle Josh, Uncle Josh. Right. That, 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 that's what you'd become. Okay. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's another cultural thing. Is everything becomes an uncle or an aunt. Hmm. Like how, how do you, how, how is that for you guys? For your boys? Like, I mean, uh, even, so... for you, even, uh, even for you when you grew up, like, would you just call your dad's friends by their first name? Mostly, Yes. Uh, because my parents were of that generation that broke with a lot of tradition, right? So mm. when they grew up, they would call their parents friends Mr. and Mrs. Okay. Like, always. Like, they would never say the first name. That would be very rude. But, you know, they, the 60s generation, 
they kind of threw out a lot of those rules. So occasionally it would pop up where there was someone that like, no, you have to call him Mr. So-and-so for whatever reason. And I never knew what the difference was, but generally we called people by their first names. Mm -hmm. So the Mr. and Mrs. was a sign of respect. Yes. Which, and, and it's an old school kind of thing. Like that's, yeah. A hundred years ago, I think that was probably what everybody did. Yeah. Yeah, and ours is uncle and aunt, basically, is the sign of respect. Not that different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, going back to the the range match. Now, I know you say that it was like almost here, but they did this in England all the time, did they not? In the olden, olden years? So, obviously, for like royalty, there was a marriage is a whole political thing. Right. Yes. So in that context, yes. But for normal people in the street, I I don't I don't have a sense of it. I don't think so. But maybe I don't. I I actually I don't know how people got married two hundred years ago in England. I don't know what the process was. Right, because I mean, you said you you both you, both both uh, sides of your generation uh, your my mom's side and dad's side have been here for many generations, right? Well, all, both of my, both sides of my dad's family had been here for many generations. Uh, my mom's oh. family was pretty recent. Uh, like, from, from where? From? Like, my mom's grandparents came to the U.S. From? Uh, on her mom's side from Scotland and on her dad's side from Germany. Okay, and you and your dad's side came from? From England, Ireland. Like his okay. mom's English, his dad's Irish. And they were the original pilgrims? Uh, his mom's family was. And so they landed, what's it called? Uh, like the Plymouth Rock. It's, Plymouth yeah. Rock? They're on the Mayflower, yeah. No. Yeah. Seriously? On the Mayflower? I, yeah. And there's records for this? Yes. Oh, Amr is going to freak out when he hears this. Really? I, he'd be like, uh, he loves history. And it's, yeah, so does Isaac, yeah. Even I didn't know this was on the Mayflower. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. And then, they, when, when did they, they, like, how many I don't really know. That? I mean, oh, I, okay. I don't, I don't pay that much attention to it, so it's, I don't know, they're, so, they were who, here for a while. Where did you get the records from? I mean, how, how do you have records of that? It's all, um, so my, the cousin that I mentioned from when I was yeah. a kid, her son did a lot of ancestry stuff uh, for that whole, the whole family. So when Terry started looking, you know, she got on ancestry and started putting stuff in, she ran across his thing and, you know, linked up what yeah. we had with, and he had it going way back because we had a lot of, like my grandmother had a lot of records of family, like old Bibles and stuff going way back. So that was a big thing is passing down the Bible, you know, the family Bible to your kid. I don't know. It's like your picture of. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> or whoever. So where is that Bible right now? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> It certainly didn't get passed to me. I mean, it's not in your house. <laughs> no. 
are there any connections any famous people connected to the to your, to that ancestry not that i know of i know my so my mom's mom's family the last name is dunbar mm-hmm. uh and in scotland there's a town of dunbar uh and someone in the family went there and like everyone was all excited to have a dunbar come back from america um but that was it right <laughs> it was like they you know bought them a drink or whatever um but i don't know of any famous people that i'm related to anywhere not like the washingtons or <laughs> i mean washington has no descendants of his own right um, you know, I, oh, yeah. I don't know. So, so one of the things is my, my dad's dad, his family came from Tennessee and went out to California, uh, and the family lore, which I'm not really sure how to, how much faith to put in it was that he was like a horse thief or something and was fleeing the law. So there's not a lot of records going back on that side of the family. <laughs> he had the abrupt leaving of <laughs> what? Oh my god! What a what a history, man! It's it's I, but this is everyone's history. I mean, there's all weird stuff in everybody's family. It's because it just accumulates. It's life is full of it. Yeah. The, the concept of a nation being started by pilgrims and yeah it, it, has it happened anywhere else in the world because I think it's just I mean Australia and yeah um, that's the only other one I thought about is Australia and, and I, the US I was trying to explain it to Julian um, we were talking about languages the other day and he was we were talking he wants to learn French he's interested in learning French great learn French um, Next year, he'll be in ninth grade, and they have French he can take. So, cool. Uh, but we were talking about Vietnam. Because he was mm-hmm. he had just read something about Vietnam, and he was interested. And I told him, actually, so Vietnamese is supposed to be one of the most difficult languages for native English speakers to learn. Okay. It's a very hard language, they say. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but that's what I've read. Um, but if you go to Vietnam, a lot of people speak French there because... The French invaded and colonized Vietnam, so it's it's one of their historical colonies, and there's a lot of countries like that. A lot of countries where it's common to speak English, like mm-hmm. India, mm-hmm. or French. You know, there's, there's various countries in in Africa where yeah, uh, French, French yeah. is more common, right? And some yeah. that's English, some that it's Dutch, or right. You know, in South Africa, it's kind of a descendant of Dutch. Of Dutch, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, and I was so I'm. Explained to him this whole notion of colonization and you know showing up and destroying someone's culture and everything. And, but in most of those countries, we showed up. There's a big influence on their culture, and eventually, either the French or English or Dutch or whoever left or sort of assimilated, whatever. Whereas in the United States, there were certainly people here, but mm-hmm. we just sort of smushed them down as. Uh, not, not a great look, really. It's kind of like we really took the whole colonization to the next level. <laughs> like we're just pretending this is all ours. It's it, none of those people ever existed. Apparently, it's a uh, it's kind of awful. 
Yeah, that, and then bringing the slaves over, and right, you know, if, you know, since there's no one here, we'll bring a whole new underclass over. And keep that. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> there's really not a lot of not, not a lot to be proud of in that whole sequence. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want like, I didn't want this turn into more historical. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Talk about about America is supposed to be about you. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. And, and, and our contrasts about how how we grew up and how we... sure. So, all right. I know it's at fifty minutes right now, but yeah. Um, how do you feel about this? Do you want to continue or you know? It's I. I mean, I'm I'm getting pretty tired, but uh, yeah. Is there any? Did you have like any list that you wanted to ask or topics you wanted to cover? Well, that's the thing is. I don't know how I'm going to edit this or anything like that, but let's mm-hmm. let's, let's go with this. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to it really is about my kids getting to know about people in my life, mm-hmm. and maybe your kids getting to know a little bit about you. That may or may not have heard everything in this what you said. Certainly not. Yes. Okay, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun conversation that you're gonna have when you played for them. Sure. So that's what it's about. I don't know how well I've done touching everything. I know there's a lot to you. Uh, but a lot of it is because of how you have actually shaped a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of Uncle Jack. <laughs> sure. I didn't save you from anything. Uh, well, I mean, you may have saved me from a lot of psychological pain. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody else seems like they're they're happier. You know, they're not worried about some of the things that, that you so, worry about. So the thing that the thing that really when I was thinking back, I was writing, making some notes about okay, how have you shaped me in some way? Mm-hmm. And I, I keep going back to our initial conversations back like at PayPal <laughs> uh, about how you really just started teaching me about psychology. Mm-hmm. You tell me about all these experiments, and I remember the first experiment you told me about was hedonic adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like, if if your leg got cut off today, <laughs> right? With within a year, how how happy do you think you'll be? <laughs> right? The same, worse or better? <laughs> uh, at that time, I was like, oh man, I'd be, I'd be the worst, definitely worse off. And then you say, no, it's going to be the same as you are right now. <laughs> Right. Did I cap- capture that currently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell? What does that, mean? that doesn't make any sense. I had no concept of psychology. Yeah. I didn't understand psychology. And you mm-hmm. brought a lot of that out because you married to a very smart mm-hmm. woman. Yes, I recommend her. And then from there, you, you talked to me about so many things. Growth mindset. Carol Dweck. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You, t- you introduced me to the book Influence, Cialdini and uh, what's his name? The guy who won the Nobel Peace Prize, oh, Economics Prize in psychology, but is uh, oh. Kahneman. Kahneman, yeah. Right. You, you talked a lot about that, and then you even ventured into mental health and mm-hmm. made that a norm to talk about. Yeah. And and growing up, us Indians, we didn't talk about any of that. Mental mm-hmm. health, depression, that just. What does that mean? No one talks about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Americans don't really talk about it either. 
but you do. And that's well, what matters yeah. to me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I, but here's the thing. Like, you know, just, but, just, the, just the way you could point to three Indians who could remember you, I can point to like four white guys in my life that I'm pretty comfortable with. Sure. Right. I mean, you know, you don't remember, but it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. That can share well, personal things. <laughs> Right, but but you're, I mean, you're a pretty social guy too, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there, you're very comfortable having conversations with people. Right. I mean, but that's just connecting, I mean, you know. Hey, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? What are you up to? Blah blah blah. That's very. Well, I guess it's it's not depth. I guess I, I mean, I, I, I'll see you, you know, not now, but I'll see you, you know, in a conference room, having a one-on-one with somebody, you know, Tony, Wes, whoever. Uh, and I just assume it's the same depth conversation that we have, right? Because I don't know. It's different depths. Hmm. Okay. Not, not as deep as this. Yeah. Uh, we, we've definitely covered a lot of ground in our yeah. time. One of, one of the things I remember that um, definitely helped shape me was, you know, so many times I've reached out to you just to process things about death, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the one time I, this guy used to play hockey with, and he found yep. out that he's dead, and I was like, you you talked you, you talked me through it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people could do that, or yeah. did that. Well, yeah. And, and that's, so, you know, my mom was a nurse and for a period of time while I was in high school, she was a hospice nurse. Right. Right. Which, and this is when hospice was kind of a new thing. Uh, and, and a lot of hospice is about normalizing death, like normalizing talking about it. So like for my mom, she was like, she, she doesn't like it when people say passed away. Mm-hmm. We don't say passed away. We say died, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what happened. And yeah. it's it's a normal thing. It's a normal part of life. And people have a lot of trouble talking about it. And the only way to get past that is to talk about it. So right. that's just my exposure to that made me able to talk about that. I mean, like Terry is very uncomfortable when I talk about death, right? Yeah. And I do because I want the boys to understand that this is a part of life, right? Yes. But yeah, culturally, but it's again not normal. So. Yeah, and culturally, we don't talk about death uh, right a lot. Uh, I still song. don't understand that. I feel like the whole Hindu reincarnation cycle should make death so much less of a big deal. I don't well, know. I know I've been asking you this for over a decade, but I told you the extent of what. I know, yeah. Knowledge I grew up with. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, you know, one, one of the things I remember uh, when a few years ago Mark, Mark Hamlin died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the... Because I, I knew him. I'd do yoga with him once yes. a week and go to the gym twice a week. And so three times mm-hmm. a week we'd be hanging out, even though it was just about exercise. And that was hard on me yeah. hearing that. And, and I remember you talking to me and there's a grief counselor that came in mm-hmm. and 
So I talked to you, and then I go and talk to the grief counselor. And when she's talking, all the while I'm thinking, uh, I already had this conversation with Josh. <laughs> and, and I was really thinking I'd, I'd get something more profound, more, more something different. Yeah. It was just something you already talked to me about. I'm like, okay, okay. I, uh, now I know how to process this. Know, I remember the conversations that we had about the hockey guy that I didn't know. Yes, uh, you didn't know. Did. But I don't really remember what I said about Mark. I don't yeah. remember any of that uh, conversation. Yeah. I don't remember exactly either. All I remember was I felt better. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then when I went to the group camp, I was like, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So those, those are the things that have really, and obviously any any dumb experimentation I want to do, you're like, yeah, 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 go do that. <laughs> and then you, you mock me, you, you mock me throughout me doing that. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. More often than not, but that's okay. okay. If you say so. I believe. <laughs> but there's always that pushing me, helping me getting better. Toastmasters was, mm-hmm. was, a, was a big mm-hmm. thing. That was big. That was huge. For both of us, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I do, but I know I've gotten a lot from you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That the, the time that we were in Toastmasters, and we would... So the initial plan for it was... We'd go to the Toastmasters meeting and eat your lunch there, right? And then go back to work. And yes. we started going to the meetings and then we would leave and go have lunch and talk about yes what we had done and which was so valuable. We got so much more out of having that debrief yeah. than we would have out of just Toastmasters. It, uh, it both of us developed so much in our ability to communicate through that. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I think actually like at the time that we stopped going, we weren't we weren't growing anymore from doing it, right? It right. wasn't really helping. We were just intimidating other people because we were good communicators and they weren't, right? Well, mainly you. <laughs> I, it, it sounds mean, but you know, but that's how it was. But now, like I, I sort of feel like there's stuff that we could improve our communication that we don't really have a good way to do that. I mean, I don't know. They're probably doing Toastmasters meetings on teams now i have no idea but uh, and i don't really want to go back to toastmasters i just feel like i want our our communication to improve again like i want to go right. through phases where it improves i don't know how to do that yeah but uh, i remember the toastmaster meeting i wasn't going to go to that meeting the initial meeting where mm-hmm. we were yeah, but you're like hey, let's go <laughs> yeah and and i wasn't going to be part of it and you said let's go and all of that really like um, really helped me grow a lot. I mean, leaps and bounds. I can't even. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, step function and step functions on top of step functions. Yeah. Well, it's it's such a, a a unusual thing to do something and then stop and reflect on it and talk about what you did well and poorly. Yeah. We just don't do that in life, in work even. You know, it's like. Yeah, we have annual reviews, but it's long after yeah. anything happened. You don't. We never have those conversations. I think it's really, really useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot I want to still talk to you about, but I know you gotta go to sleep. Yeah. Actually, you gotta stay awake. And thank you again for getting yes, us time. Of course. <laughs> yes, no problem. For Amar Arav and Isaac and Julian, if you don't know what we're talking about, Josh gets his tea times every Thursday. <laughs> 
Thursday at midnight. Thursday at midnight, and we appreciate it. I really do. Gotta get the uh, good no, time. I'm speaking for speaking for Mar, uh, Mark and, and Adam, but uh, definitely appreciate it. So, thank you, Josh. All right, thank you. <laughs>